Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. In the last episode, I spoke about the importance of muscles to zen and the art of weight maintenance. And I spoke about sleep as critical to muscle recovery. Here's the thing. Honoring the body's need for sleep is the single most important habit executive women can cultivate. We don't need to work hard. We just have to accept and allow. The body is programmed to heal itself. And the body runs this program in two distinct states. First, when it is at rest after a period of stress. And second, when it is asleep. Sleep is an active, highly complex process consisting of several different substates. Sleep involves many different anatomic structures and biochemical pathways that integrate and interact in so many ways. Emotional processing, restorative energy, immunity, appetite, willpower, blood pressure, and mood regulation are all aided by adequate sleep, and that's just getting me started. There are three aspects of sleep which make it more or less restorative. These are sleep duration, sleep efficiency, and sleep quality. Obtaining restorative sleep requires a sleep duration between 7 to 9 hours per 24 hours. Sleep efficiency is the percentage of total time in bed actually spent asleep. So if you get into bed and turn the lights out at 10 p.m., and then you set your alarm for 6 a.m., you're giving yourself an eight-hour sleep opportunity. However, it may take you 15 to 30 minutes to actually fall asleep, and you may end up waking up during the night to go to the restroom. In addition, you may wake up before your alarm goes off. In this case, you have only spent four to five hours actually sleeping. This results in poor sleep efficiency. I come bearing good news. Sleep efficiency can be improved with exercise. Other aspects of sleep like sleep quality and satisfaction are often impacted by how well you rest prior to trying to go to sleep. By that I mean activities you do before lights out that help you take the eyes off of the horizon long enough so you can begin to unwind. When you sleep enough, you are fun to work with, inspiring, effective, resilient, calm under pressure, and encouraging to your team. That's because sleep makes you more attentive so you can think clearly and make better decisions. You're better able to organize. You're more creative and you're a better problem solver. This is why when time is at a premium, obtaining enough sleep is the number one most important thing. For executive women, there are two primary obstacles to engaging the body's natural healing process. I call them the villains of sleep and the thieves of time. Today, we're just going to talk about sleep villains. So sleep villain number one is some version of, quote unquote, I don't need it. Regardless of a large and growing body of evidence proving, beyond a doubt, that at least seven hours of sleep is fundamentally important to everyone's health, not just women's health, most executive women tell me, I feel fine on five to six hours of sleep. These women are high flyers who get more done in a day than most of us do in a month. They truly feel that sleep is optional because they don't feel sleep-deprived. Some believe they have disciplined their bodies out of needing sleep. When an executive woman tells me that she doesn't need as much sleep as the rest of us, I find several things are likely true of her. First, she is running a high sleep debt. 
She's been sleep-deprived for long enough to have squelched her body's requests to have its sleep need met. This dampened receptivity to the body's natural signals is a threshold effect made possible by her bioreserve. Second, she has never run a self-experiment wherein she compared how she feels now to how she feels on seven or eight hours of sleep. So put simply, she's able to function well at her current level of energy. She hasn't bothered to find out how much more energy she could have and how much better functioning she would be if she slept more. And finally, she has not yet suffered a role failure that she correctly attributed to lack of sleep. This last error in judgment is a form of recall bias. Studies show that not getting enough sleep is equivalent to showing up to work under the influence of alcohol. Every 30 minutes we lack in sleep creates a detectable level of impaired judgment equivalent to one glass of wine. Studies show that lack of sleep causes good people to be responsible for lethal car accidents, catastrophic plane and train crashes, and medical errors. Still, many women personally just can't see themselves in these statistics. After one of my book talks, I was approached by a physician colleague of mine who complained that sleeping more than five hours at night made her feel even more tired the next day. She regularly worked night shifts at the hospital and also worked long hours in the critical care unit. In addition, she was the mother of a teenager involved in her community. Though at the time she made this observation, she had been awake for more than 24 hours and looked exhausted with dark circles under her eyes. This hardworking, well-meaning physician was suffering from a severe sleep debt. The telltale symptom? The very absence of insight into her need for sleep. She's not alone. Before we judge this woman, let me ask you this. While driving, sitting at a meeting, or while on a long plane ride, have you ever jerked your head up suddenly and realized your eyelids had been drooping? This is called micro-sleeping. Microsleeping is an involuntary bout of light sleep that lasts as little as 10 seconds from which a person wakes up suddenly with a sharp jerk of the head. Microsleeping lasts for too short a time to be remembered, so the sleep-deprived rarely acknowledge these bouts of unconsciousness. If sleep deprivation continues, microsleeping occurs more frequently and lasts longer, raising the stakes for life-threatening situations like car crashes. Ironically, When sleeping for seven to nine hours makes you feel tired, it is a sign of severe and chronic sleep debt. Accruing this large sleep debt is the result of dissociation from the body's need for sleep. But why would obtaining the recommended amount of sleep make my colleague feel tired? The ability to receive the body's signal of being tired is actually a reward. It's the reward you get for making a down payment on severe and chronic sleep debt. How do you know when you need more or better sleep? Well, when you do not obtain enough high-quality sleep, your body's physiology changes. Over time, you accrue sleep debt that changes your energy level, your ability to pay attention, your ability to regulate your emotions. It impairs your memory and your judgment. The larger the sleep debt, the greater the severity of these problems. Being sleep-deprived results in at least one or more of the following symptoms. Let's say you have an acute sleep debt. By that, I mean you're missing one to two nights of good sleep. You'll feel a dip in your energy causing you to feel tired. Maybe a change in your mood. Usually it's a down or depressed mood. Maybe you're more irritable than you prefer to be. Maybe it's a little difficult to concentrate. 
And caffeine helps you alleviate these symptoms. Let's talk about an acute sleep debt that lasts a little longer. So maybe one to three weeks where you really needed to cut back on sleep in the service of other things you felt were valuable. Well, in this case, you can feel exhausted. You say you can't wait to sleep. You're moody. You feel down. You're unable to concentrate. You do get those microsleeps that we talked about, and you'll have an increase in your heart rate. What about if you go without sleep just a little less than you actually need for about a month? This is where we get into a chronic sleep debt. You're experiencing low energy, difficulty concentrating, wondering why you don't feel happier, more balanced, micro-sleeping frequently. Maybe your emotions are all over the place with a poor ability to regulate them intentionally. Well, let's talk about chronic routine sleep debt, which is really what my physician colleague was talking about. This is a sleep debt that's gone on for months to years. In this case, you get very little insight into your need for sleep. You become unaware that you are inattentive and easily distracted. You have trouble listening to others for more than a few moments. You'll notice diminishing empathy, anxiety, can't stop thinking, fatigue attributed to factors other than sleep debt, depression, unexplained weight gain, high blood pressure, body aches and pains, falling asleep at the wheel while driving, and an increased risk of cardiometabolic disease. If you believe you are one of those rare people who does not need seven hours of sleep nightly, the onus is on you to prove this. This is an untested hypothesis. So prove it to yourself. Run a self-experiment. Obtain seven hours of sleep nightly for one week, then come back and tell me how much you don't need it. So maybe you're convinced about the importance of sleep, but you're one of those busy women who just doesn't have enough time. Women in my clinic who feel they are too busy to sleep usually fall into one of three categories. First, they have trouble leaving a task undone. Or, second, they have competing priorities or obligations for which they're willing to trade restorative energy and the risk of negative health consequences. Or, three, they have problems falling or staying asleep sometimes but not always attributable to either number one or number two. What to do when you have trouble leaving a task undone? This is essentially difficulty slowing down. The sense of urgency is so great, it's difficult to believe. It's possible to stop. Fundamental to learning to slow down is putting a limit on the hours you decide to work. The truth is that work will always expand to fill the time available. It's also true that women who sleep work more efficiently. If you do not limit your productive working hours, you have no chance of getting the sleep you need. I recommend placing a de-escalation time onto your schedule such that an alarm or other reminder tells you when it's time to begin slowing down. Don't expect yourself to go from 0 to 60 all at once, and don't expect yourself to go the other way, from 60 to 0 all at once. When your timer goes off, just stop working. Remind yourself that sleep plays a huge role in your ability to efficiently complete tasks. Next, write down everything on your mind. So get it out of your head and know it'll be there waiting for you in the morning. Finally, create a clean path to sleep that involves at least 30 minutes to an hour of rest and quiet time. And during this restful time, strengthen your ability to pause. Take three big breaths and hold each at the top of your lung capacity. 
for five to 10 seconds. This will activate your parasympathetic nervous system and help activate your body's rest mode. Consider making meditation a regular part of your wind down routine. Meditation further strengthens your mind's ability to stop thinking. Gradually work your way up from five minutes daily to 30 minutes twice a day. How about a challenge? What do you do when your priorities compete for sleep? This scenario happens to all of us at some point. When it's your turn, have compassion for yourself. However, understand what encroachment of sleep truly means in these circumstances. The list of people and events for which you are willing to trade restorative energy should be few and far between. These people should be those you love best of all in all the world, and the events we're talking about should be potentially life-altering. All too often, women trade restorative energy for work-related demands which don't involve those they love best and for whom they presumably work so hard. Restorative energy is a high price to pay. Get really clear on why and for whom you're truly willing to trade it. Now, how about when sleep is a struggle? Trouble falling or staying asleep is common among women. And unfortunately, ladies' hormones play a big role. 40% of women going through menopause report sleep disturbance. Factors associated with poor sleep include being overweight, hormonal fluctuations, and children. When sleep is a daily struggle, it's time to talk to your physician. Have compassion for yourself. Make time in the schedule so you can sleep when it's possible. I call this offering yourself an eight-hour sleep opportunity. If you're facing one of the two villains of sleep— Here are some action steps you can take to help yourself right now. Establish a clean path to sleep by creating a hygienic sleep environment and a daily routine with three distinct phases. First, productive. That should be 10 hours or less. Second, resting. That's 30 minutes to an hour. Third, sleeping. Eight to nine hours of an opportunity. These spaces emphasize the importance of transition time needed to obtain restorative sleep. A clean path to sleep is especially important for you because the body thrives on consistency and predictability. Here are some specific steps to take. Create a sleep sanctuary. Reserve it for sleep, sex, and other restful activities like reading for pleasure and meditation. Keep it on the cool side. Remove all digital devices from your bedroom. So that includes cell phones, TVs, computers, electronic readers. For example, do not use your cell phone as an alarm. Hang dark curtains that limit light from entering your bedroom. Only use your bedroom for sleep or sex. Do not work while in bed. I have to say this one more time for the lawyers. Do not work while in bed. Start de-escalating from productive work no later than 9 p.m. Get into bed before 10 p.m. with the intent to turn the lights out and go to sleep. Get up at the same time every day, regardless of the workday, weekend, or holiday. Do not drink alcohol. Do not allow pets to sleep in your room. This is really hard for some people. Still, I have to say it again. Do not allow pets to sleep in your room. They move around. They'll wake you up. Do not drink caffeinated beverages after 10 in the morning. Be aware of all sources of caffeine and avoid them. So these are things like chocolate, over-the-counter pain relievers, 
some protein powders, athletic goos, electrolyte tablets, and herbal supplements. Those are a few common culprits. And then finally, avoid napping. When you struggle to sleep for a week or more, in addition to creating a pristine sleep hygiene for you and your family, it's also important to recognize how health habits relate to each other and leverage your stronger habits to help you improve the others. For example, if you struggle to sleep, make sure you're getting adequate aerobic exercise in particular. By this, I mean 150 minutes per week. That's a minimum for you. Gradually work up to exercising as much as 300 minutes weekly. That may improve your sleep efficiency. If you enjoy the show, please be sure to rate and review us. It helps more people find us. Until next time, remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.